You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Michael, how the hell are you? Well, Andre, I've I've felt better. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm uh, I'm a little bit achy today. Oh, give you that. I just uh, I just had the uh, yesterday. I had the the AZ shot. Nice. And um, you know, everybody's telling you get it, get it, get it, and and look, get it. Like that, I I I, I recommend it 150. percent uh, you got to get this shot. You got to get us back to normal. But um, it was interesting because uh, you know I listen to uh, to MSNBC in the morning, and yes. um, it's interesting that they were talking about you know you got to get the shot, blah blah blah. And somebody said nobody's talking about what happens after you get it. Everybody's just saying get it. Everybody's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I just feel really achy today, and I understand the second shot is probably just as bad, if not a little bit worse. So, uh, but I don't know if, if they're not, even when we were at, uh, at Newstalk 1010, when I was at Newstalk 1010, I know we were talking about potential side effects, but I'll be honest. I don't know if, if a minor, and, and I, I'm sorry, you're achy. I don't mean to downplay your, your achiness, but I, I don't know if what you're going through is any worse than what a lot of people go through when they get just a regular flu shot, you know? Uh, you know what? I've had the flu shot and, uh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was fine the next day. I was fine that day. See, I Everything always have. A, I always have a bit of a reaction to flu shot, and I don't know if it is psychosomatic or whatever the case may be. I, I know that I do do get a lot of anxiety when it comes to needles and and vaccinations. So I'm. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting the, the shot, but. Uh, I don't. Know, we'll find out. But yeah, I, I know my mother in law had a reaction to the Pfizer um, vaccine that she she was eligible for and got. Yeah, I've I've heard that you know my mother also had it and she got a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of achiness as well. So it's you know it's it's different vaccines, different producers, different things are going to happen. But man, I'm glad to have the first one. The second one comes in in July, and then I'll just be happy as a clam. Yeah, well, I, you know, I guess we can kind of segue from from that into well, you know. It does feel like there's a tiny bit of, of hope on the horizon. I know a lot of people listening to this podcast would probably make fun of me for the fact that I'm a CFL fan. The um, CFL yesterday, we're recording this on the 22nd, so on April 21st, the CFL released um, a very cautiously optimistic plan for the season that starts in August with the Grey Cup in December in Hamilton. And I, I, I don't know, it... I think when the first wave went down and people started making all these hopey, you know, like pie in the sky dreams that it was over, but, you know, I don't think we had any idea how bad a second and third wave were going to be. This feels a little bit more cautious and measured. And frankly, seeing people being a little bit more cautious and measured in their plans gives me a little bit of hope that maybe we're going to run sooner than we than we think. Look, the NFL did it. The Major League Baseball has done it. Hockey's done it twice. Actually, baseball's done it twice as well. Um, it's time the CFL uh, gets off the bench and and gives it a shot. Like, um, and I think by August, you know, we're we're probably looking at um, not packed stadiums. I don't know. If CFL really gets packed stadiums, but I mean, uh, you know, if half capacity is is what we're going to do, just to start out and try it out, and if if I got to get a, a a jab of a cotton swab up the nose just to make sure that I'm safe. Uh, like I saw today that Brian Schmidt had posted that yes. he got his you know, instant tests. cotton swab. So if I have to do that for the first, I don't know, year, fine. Masks, yeah. Andre, I've, I've, I've said to myself, if i got to travel, 
and I gotta travel. Uh, um, Mike, Michael, you and I, you and I both have wanderlust. We both uh, we both live to to get out of the house. So it's been a really tough year. And uh, you know, I'm 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 already putting a list together of you know I'll take my regular mask. I will take uh, my my gator. I will take uh, surgical masks. I will, you know, bring a a, sh- a, a heap ton of uh, of, of, of hand sanitizer. Uh, you know, I will go, you know, absolutely one hundred percent repaired, um, whether I need it or not. So I think there is a nice segue here to what you and I another segue. Look at you with two segues in a row. We were we were racking our brain on what to talk about with the podcast because it does feel like it's been kind of a quiet spring in the wine industry. A lot of people are coming out with new wines. I know you recently tasted with Thomas Bachelder a bunch of his new gamets, many of which have already sold out. I haven't had a chance to taste with Thomas because I have been fairly diligent in uh, following the stay-at-home order except leaving my house to work and I work in an office in downtown Hamilton and I literally go from my house to Hamilton and back. I'm not out and about. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to have the same opportunity to taste with Thomas, but um, he had a great lineup of gamets. This is a really long segue, but the point is... Wow, I'm you're str- not even segueing properly. No. Look, look the, the biggest news that happened this week... Again, Andre has given the date, but the, the government announced that there is money coming to the wine industry. But there's nothing to talk about because nobody knows where it's going to go, how it's going to be divided. But there is money coming, and it's going to offset that uh, that excise tax. That's what they're saying. But obviously, they've done it uh, with um, you know just the here's what we're going to do. Trust us, and and that's that's about it. We I reached out to Alan yeah. Schmidt at one point, uh, and I asked him, "Do you want to talk about it?" He says, "There's nothing to talk about." No, there's so, not much. There's just it's there's been, nothing to talk about. So yeah. suddenly, you and I were at a, a crossroads, and I said, "What have you tried lately?" And um, you said nothing. And I don't believe that, but that's beside the point. No, that's not and true. Said, it's just we we tried a bit of the, a bit of the same stuff. Um, I I have some samples that I've, I've been going through. The last like full lineup I tasted was in January with. Um, uh, a pack from Fielding. The reviews are up at underwinereview.ca. I also tasted a few new wines from 16 Mile that are are, are good, very good. Um, not their best, but still worth checking out. Those reviews will be up shortly. But I think I, you- I, I tasted that the the Chardonnay. I, I have the the same feeling about it. But we each did get some wines from uh, Yellowtail. Well, and, 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 you know, and full, full disclosure here, Andre has been pretty, um, you know, pretty harsh uh, about Yellowtail. And if I'm not mistaken, once in our tasted it, like our tasted tables, I did bring out a reserve Yellowtail. And you were pretty impressed because I didn't tell you it was a reserve. I didn't tell you it was Yellowtail. And you went, hey, that is pretty good wine. And look, Yellowtail makes a lot of, of plunk. They, they, I'm sure, know it. Um, but it sells. Uh, Gallo does the same thing, make a lot of plunk. But if you find those, you know, special bottles that they do, the limited editions, then you're looking at some pretty outstanding wine. But we did. Uh, so we it did, shows that they, they can make both. But we did seg into this. Uh, I guess the, the original segue I was going to make is we were talking about your health at the beginning is um, prior to. My decision January last year to get healthy, lose some weight, get active. I know you'd been trying to lose a bit of weight in the year prior, and you were successful in doing that. And frankly, for I think for both you and I, just watching our weight has been something that has been front of mind. And, and I'll be honest, I don't think it's something that a lot of men 
really spend a lot of time talking or thinking about because I, I think if we're talking about societal beauty standards and just the the pressure that is is put on people men get a bit of a pass for having you know a few more pounds to carry than traditional beauty standards when it comes to women but it's also frustrating totally agree well and it's also frustrating it's i find it frustrating for me when i'm trying to look for resources on how to get healthy to find stuff that's really directed towards men where it's kind of in the middle because you know I can look at the cover of Men's Health, and to I'm reach, never going to look like that. And that's it. And and, and I mean, I, I was I was joking with Anya last year when I decided to lose weight that I wanted to look like John Krasinski in Jack Ryan. Because frankly, if you take a look at John Krasinski in Jack Ryan, he's usually wearing a shirt, and it's just like, oh, that looks pretty reasonable. And then Anya sent me the picture of of uh, Jack Krasinski, or sorry, um, Krasinski from his Men's Health article with his shirt off, and it was just like. Oh, I, I just, I don't think that's doable. Then she sent me a podcast with uh, Kamel Nanjiati and Dax Shepard um, talking about really what you and I are going to touch on here about men's body issues. And Kamel Nanjiati, if you don't know who he is, he wrote a really great movie called The Big Sick. He's kind of an yep. up-and-coming Indian comedian actor. He's very funny, very good at deadpan delivery but he got completely and utterly ripped to become a Marvel superhero. And Anya sent me this podcast from them. And Anya's my wife, for those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, where he talks about the madness it takes to get your body into that sort of shape. So that and being... I'm, I'm never, I've realized I am never going to be that guy. I just, I just want to lose some weight. But you know what? You were talking about you know, men's body issues. And it's interesting because uh, James Corden is now a... Uh, a, a a spokesperson for Weight Watchers. So yes. Weight Watchers has always been, I I thought you know uh, for men for for women, and uh, they finally have James Corden uh, talking about it. Um, so it, it's interesting to see a, a, a male that people can can relate to because he's he's definitely upfront about his weight issues. Yep. Yep. So that brings us to these wines that, that first of all, that we uh, that we have. Yes. And uh, I haven't tasted them. Andre, I think you said that you were going to taste them uh, beforehand. I, I yeah. failed to do so, but I, I opened them up and, and took a quick taste uh, as we've been doing the podcast. So we have uh, from Yellowtail, they're called Pure Bright, um, a 2020 Pinot Grigio, 2020 Chardonnay, and they're marketed as 100 calories per three-quarter cup serving, 25% lower in calories than regular wine, uh, 9.5% alcohol in the Pinot Grigio, 9.5% alcohol in the Chardonnay, 110 calories in the Chardonnay versus 110 in the Pinot Grigio. And actually, if you take a look at the back label, it's got they actually the, have the nutritional facts in the nutritional here. Unbelievable. Read on it. Sugar, two grams, like you get that for sure. You know what the Pinot Grigio I just tried? It's uh, it's fresh. It's fruity. It's eight and a half percent alcohol. Sorry, not nine and a half. Uh, yeah, the, I, I'm tasting the Pinot Grigio right now too. So, yes, I like to make Yellowtail a bit of a punching bag, and I, I, I think it's just one of those things where you need to come to the realization that, generally speaking, the people who are listening to this podcast are not drinking Yellowtail, nor are the people uh, who are making this podcast. I, well, no. Uh, I do have a bottle of the reserve somewhere in the cellar. I know that. I have another bottle of some kind of reserve. Um, uh, it was given to me. It was not uh, something I, I bought, obviously. But, um, uh, yeah, and I, I understand that you're punching back. And, no, I, I'm not I'm not poo-pooing on anybody who likes Yellowtail. If Yellowtail is your 
uh, segue. That seems to be our word today. If it is your your door into wine, into the wine world, then you know all the best to you. Please uh, continue, but do not get stuck there because you're doing yourself a disservice. I think we've said that before. I'm about to try the Chardonnay, Andre. Yeah, I already said it once, and we forgot to bring attention to it. Um, yeah, so we are keeping track with the swear jar. We're going to Brian a lot of money at the end of the year when it comes to the You know C- what? The um, Chardonnay is not um, is not my grape usually, and this is a this is a sweet Chardonnay. So, well, it's it says two grams per liter. Oh, sorry, I guess it's two grams per one hundred and eighty eight mils. Yeah. Okay. So. so there is quite a bit of, of residual sugar in this. Um, the residual sugar in the the seaward wine. Um, wasn't the thing that really didn't do it for me it was the like liquid oak that is likely what was used in it there does seem to be like a stave quality or something i would be you know what i i I don't think that they would have put this into a barrel i would have been surprised if they had even tried that but i'll be honest i think the pinot grigio is is quaffable quaffable Yep. Uh, it is sessionable, drinkable. Uh, it's a wine that um, I can more see people citrus. really enjoying on the patio. You just yeah. have to be aware that there is sugar on that, and that sugar is going to carry it to your bloodstream just a little bit quicker. And you are you're, you're going to probably, if you decide that you know, oh, only nine point five percent alcohol, uh, I'll be fine after drinking a bottle. I don't think you will be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll always drink responsibly, but I mean, hot day on the patio where you've got nowhere to drive because we're still in this pandemic, uh, you could probably put away a little bit more than you would if it were, you know, a, a, you'll, you'll, a be, you'll be stumbling a bit. But yeah. uh, so I, I have, you know, that's put it this way. That's that's a pretty good ratio. Uh, one of two. Um, you know, when I taste here at home, I'm, you know, always hoping for a, you know, if I do 12 wines, I'm always hoping that six are going to be really good. And, um, and, and the other six are going to be either middling to, to poor. Um, and I always like when, uh, when I, when I am pleasantly surprised that I get a full pack of, of 12 or 10 out of 12 or something like that. But, uh, this is, um, the, the Pinot Grigio is more than, more than quaffable. I think people would really enjoy that. I, I agree Char- with that. Stay away from the Chardonnay. Well, the, the um, Chardonnay is going to appeal to a certain type of person who likes that type of Chardonnay. It is... It's, okay, it's let's face an it. Aussie Chardonnay oh, style. Oh, God, I said it again. I love it. I love it. I think it's more fun to uh, to have Chardonnay as a word. So, um, And if we keep going, Segway is going to be your next one that you're going to have to... No, uh, I know. Uh, you know what? Okay. Uh, you know, I'll, just, I'll just try to keep track here. But like this... So like this style of Chardonnay, it's, it's very heavy on that vanilla. You know, it's amplifying the pineapple. It's still got some acid, so it's not really pushing into that like coconut buttery texture that I think if you're going to have this much oak presence on, it really helps to round out the package. Um, but I, I'd like to actually guide the conversation in... Um, in another direction, now that we've said nice things about Yellowtail, and I'm going to pour myself a second glass of this Pinot Grigio in a second. Um, I guess the first thing is, one thing that bothers me, especially since I've been more mindful of what I'm putting in my body in terms of food and weight, is it bothers me when you're buying something that's being marketed to um, you know, a calorie-conscious crowd or a, a crowd that's worried about their health, that you sort of scream that in like black and white lettering as opposed to just marketing something as delicious that also happens to be better for you you know 
Yeah, you know, somehow you've lost me there, Andre. Like I've, I've switched. <laughs> you know, I've switched. Okay, I've switched from uh, potato chips, which okay. you know has a lot of really fun packaging and brands like your Lay's and your Doritos and your cheesies. And when I want crunchy snacks, especially when I'm really watching my calorie intake, I switched to Quaker Crispy Minis. Oh, I like those. Yeah. They're tasty. Okay. They're a great alternative snack. But I mean, let's face it, the branding isn't nearly as fun or as slick as a potato chip or, you know. Lay's, bet you can't eat just one. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's just not the same sort of thing. Or even with President's Choice, I, I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword that they have a lot of blue menu items. But the thing that's frustrating is that, you know, if this is as delicious as the standard item, like, why don't you just make this the standard item, you know? I, I I get it, but some people like that that full fat experience, and they don't want to feel that they're they're dieting. Look, the the, the part that I had problems with, uh, let's call it dieting, and dieting is never a good word because it no. means it's die with a T, right? So well, and that's um, why I have an issue with this type of, of marketing. Is it feels like you're guiding people who are maybe having struggles to be like, you have to eat this if you're struggling with your weight, as opposed to this is something delicious. I mean, that's been a big part of my past year has been reestablishing a healthy relationship with food oh which by the way i'm doing 30 days and 30 salads on instagram because i've put on about 10 pounds since i was at my lightest and i'm trying to get back into good habits falling back in love with fat foods so um i guess the the biggest part that i have and you i know you did salads you did a book called mighty salads i think you, you went through the whole book you told me uh, did you make it to the end of that one? Yep, and I'm, I've cooked through it. I'm on my fourth time now. Okay, so I, I know you did a book called Mighty Salads, um, and I was there once when you made one, and one of them was really good, and then the second time I was there, uh, not so good. It's hit and miss, um, it's hit and miss. But I'm not really a salad guy. If you've seen me uh, in any way, shape, or form, you'll go, yeah, that guy's not really, you know, Mr. Salad. Uh but the, the, I guess the problem I have, and I, I did keto for a while, and I lost quite a bit of weight on keto, and I've done Atkins, and I lost weight on Atkins, but then sooner or later you get bored of those things. I've done Weight Watchers before. Um, you know, I've done the the look what you're eating, and the, the, the real problem, and this brings it all the way back to where we need to be, is how do you fit wine into that diet? Uh, how do you fit wine? And, and I guess, Andre, you know, salads don't have a lot of calories, but, you know, would a wine like this yellowtail be something you would gravitate towards after your salad? I think the Pinot Grigio would go nicely with most salad. Uh, it wouldn't. Um, okay. No, it's – I don't know. What I've had to do is really reevaluate, like, the whole idea of, of moderation and cheat meals and, and counting of calories. So, um, I don't know. I think just during the pandemic, especially since I've got – I've been lucky enough to keep working and now that my wife is, is completely back to work and – uh, I'm making a little bit more money at my new job. I've got a few extra disposable dollars, so I'm I'm spending my money on better wine. But what I'm doing is instead of spreading that out over the week, you know, I'm buying a, a choice bottle to have on a Friday or a Saturday night, and really working hard to um, uh, to just kind of cut the alcohol intake Monday to Friday um, for no other reason than just trying to get the weight loss back on track. Yeah, I I just find it. You know, especially as we are sitting in a pandemic, there's not much to do. Like, I mean, when you have a, a day off, such as on the weekend, where do you go? What do you do? There's not not much you can do. Exactly. And one of the things you end up doing, and I think a lot of us did it and still do it, 
is drink. I know that when it all started, I'd sit on my back patio. My neighbor would sit on his back patio. We'd raise a glass and we'd, you know, talk over the fence. We still do that to this day, although it snowed here the last couple of days. So um, what the hell was that? Um, we always get snow in April. 2018, we had an inch of ice on everything. We always get this last snowfall around this time of the year. This is uh, the last you know snowfall. I, again, reading Brian Schmidt's uh, thing, he was even shocked by this snow. We get it. I don't think we get it this late. Yeah, we do. We do. We absolutely do. At, at least at least we didn't have pictures of people lighting fires in the rows of vines like we saw all over the French vineyards um, a few weeks ago. Well, that was, that was yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah, we had a lot of frost problems there. Yep. But, uh, well, Irv Weinstein, why don't you do some research on that for me and tell me when was the last time we had this much snow um, in uh, in April? That much. We had at least down April here, 19th, was... April 19th, 2018. April 19th, 2018. It wasn't just a snowfall. It was an ice storm where every branch of every tree was coated with a good centimeter of ice. I had to rent a Jeep Wrangler so I could go to Ikea that day because I was too stubborn to cancel my plans. I called up the car the car rental place and said, what do you have that's four-wheel drive? And that was my day. Well, that's not every April. That's that's still four years ago. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm just, I'm just saying, just playing devil's advocate on this. But what I'm saying is we're drinking a lot more uh, in, in during this, this time period, and it, it really has been hard to stay on any kind of weight loss plan, even when I am doing the best that I can and I count every calorie and I'm looking and at the end of the day I go, I really want a glass of wine and just there's nothing stopping me from doing it. It's not like I've got to go on a photo shoot and show off my abs or anything. So uh, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll have that glass which turns into two, which turns into three, which turns into a bottle and then I'm like, well, I feel like a piece of but you know, um, I can sleep well because I sleep better when I've got a buzz going. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, like I'll, I'll be honest. I think that's that's like part of the reason why we did the cut back. That's why I did the the dry January, and frankly, the dry January did a good job in in kicking back, kicking up like just some of those um, those good habits, making it easier to cut back. It's just like I don't know. It's I I, I completely agree with you. Like I sort I sort of looked at Anya, and it's just like. I think doing dry January was good just to make sure that it wasn't a, a chronic problem. I know that we don't really talk about that, but it was just like to make sure that we could do it. Because exactly like you said, I've got a house full of very good wine um, and nothing else to do. I I don't think it's I don't think it's chronic. Although in in this profession there is uh, there is that uh, there is that tendency to to lean that way. And many a a, a winemaker and a sommelier and um, you know, just in, in our, in our own circles have, have found that problem. Um, and it, it really is, it, it really is to tough to, to kick it. And, uh, you know, the only, the only thing that you don't see these days, uh, is going to a wine tasting and, and watching, you know, the, the California wine mixer and watching all those people go out drunk. They just haven't been able to do that. So you, you assume they're just doing it at home. Well, I think a lot of that drinking too is, circumstantial i mean it is one of the very nice things about the california wine fair which i do miss this year is you know having the opportunity to walk into a room with all those producers and having access to wine you wouldn't normally have access to i do miss those walk around tastings very much i do too and i think we'll get i think we'll be at it uh if not in uh in the in the late fall we definitely will have them by 2022 i think i think they're coming back 
Uh, we, we may not get the, the wall-to-wall, elbow-to-elbow people that, uh, that California uh, does. And I, I've always thought that was their drawback is that they have too many people in that room. But the thing um, is, here, okay, but I think you always, well, okay, you would often go to the trade tasting, though. Correct. And the trade tasting was a free-for-all. I always, and, and here's the thing is, even going forward in the future, I would recommend um, the consumer tasting. The consumer tasting always felt a little bit more civilized. And um, I think even from a journalistic standpoint, it's fun to watch the demographic of people who are going to that tasting and seeing how they behave, what they're gravitating to, and what they're drinking. Because I don't think it always aligns with the stuff that you or I or any of the other writers in the province are scoring necessarily very high. Like, you know, I I can stand in any LCBO that has Camus for three or four hours and watch that stuff fly off the shelf where, you know, you and I having had the benefit of tasting that wine and understanding what's happening in California to know that it's now a 10 to 15 gram per liter residual sugar, you know, juice bomb. But people like that. You know, everybody says they drink dry, but they drink, you know, everybody says I drink dry wine, but they drink sweet. And you can't, uh, that's why I'm saying, and I'm going to go right back to it, I think that Pinot Grigio uh, flies. Did you look up the price on that, Andre? I did not. Okay. I I, I took another splash of the Chardonnay to see if um, it warming up has done any any favors to it. It has not. Um... (laughs) Okay, so let me. Th- I know we talked a little bit about labeling and the thing that irks me about, like, I'm putting this in air quotes, diet labeling. But do you think it would be helpful for consumers or for like people like in yours and my situation where we're trying to drop a drop a few pounds to have that calorie count on the back of a label so that we know what we're putting in our body? You know what? There've they've been a lot of uh, a lot of talk about about doing it, and and that's why when when I turned it over, and I think you did. And we saw that nutritional facts label. That was pretty surprising uh, to see. And then when you do that, you know, quick mental calculation, you go uh, and you said, "Oh, there's two grams per, you know, per thousand liter." Uh, One hundred eighty-eight mils. Sorry, and then it was 188 mils. Uh, then you realize that the, the sugar content that's in this bottle it works up to about uh, ten. It works up to about ten grams per liter. It's not. It's not that sweet. So like you just multiply it by five. One eighty-eight times. Yeah. No, no, I, I get that, but I, I, what I'm saying is that that there's still, a, you know, now that you know, and you see it black and white on the label, it it's it's a head scratcher, and I'm surprised that that other wines don't do that, or like every other food product nowadays has to have that on there. Fast food chains have to have it on their website, uh, if you have more than ten locations, whereas you know wine doesn't. And, you know, I, I, you know, when I'm counting calories and everything and I'm, and I'm having a glass of wine, I just go for a, a general, uh, kind of wine, uh, you know, I'll go to a website and and I'll say red wine has, you know, this many calories and this much sugar and it'll cost you this many points on keto or Weight Watchers or whatever you're doing. Whereas right now I could, I could, for Weight Watchers, especially you could pull out a calculator and go, okay, it's worth X number of points and this is how much you could have. Yeah. And I've been... I've been generally ballparking how many calories. I, I think I don't, I don't think there's that much of a difference between a California cab and a Niagara cab, cab franc. Um, when we're talking maybe, calories. but wouldn't wouldn't you love to know if you were counting calories that let's say the Niagara 
is like a few calories less and you could have like an extra ounce or two. I think. <laughs> I'm not take- I'm not micromanaging my calories quite to that point, but I'm sure there are some people who who would. How do we make it easier for smaller wineries to get access to that nutritional information? Is that something that we need to put on the onus on the VQA to um, give that detailed readout? Because I don't know, I don't know if, 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 if any consumers know this, but when you submit a wine to VQA, they do a full chemistry analysis of it. So they, they, they break it down, and I can tell you exactly what percentage of whatever chemical compound you want to think is in there is, is in it. And then maybe yes, maybe that's that is exactly what what should be done. And then the winery has its choice of whether to do it. Now, now, granted, I I did say that if um, you know a fast food chain has to have ten locations, most wineries don't have ten locations. Maybe that's how they get around it. I guess. Um, but so it, it would kind of be nice to know. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I was just going to say these wines aren't on the LCBO website yet. I imagine they'll be out uh, at some point in the summer. Uh, but like the regular yellowtail Pinot Grigio is um, eleven ninety five a bottle. So I, I, you know what? I'll bet you I'm going to go out on a limb. Uh, Thirteen ninety five. I wouldn't be surprised if this was the exact same price. Right. I, I'm just thinking the the diet conscious. You're going to make them pay a couple much more bucks. But so what now? So now that that you and I are both uh, working to lose weight at the same time, what, how are we going to deal with this on the podcast? We're going to do like a monthly weigh in. Uh, uh, if, if that's what you want, it's not, I don't need to tell anyone how much I weigh. <laughs> we, we could tell them if you lost or gained in a, in a week, we don't have to tell them the, the weight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the issues that I've been having with the, the food is just, well, like, I, I just know because you do the editing, you're going to cut out that question. You're no. going to be like, Nope, that question definitely is coming out. That's <laughs> well, the first word. I'm le- I'm leaving this conversation like in intact, in but it's just like you know I I know what sort of happened is like last year I got super disciplined and super into it, and then like January rolled around, it was cold. I was I cycled to work every day in the cold except for three days between November and me getting the new job. I cycled to work every day minus three days where it was too windy and too snowy for me to bike. My new job, I'm commuting via car or I'm working from home. So my opportunity for exercise is a little lower. And yeah, it's just been, you know, I had a moment in January where I looked over to Anya on the couch and we were eating something delicious. And frankly, I think even with the changes, I'm eating a lot better than I was a couple of years ago. Certainly a lot less fried chicken, but it's just like we had the moment where it's just like we're finding comfort in food and it's making us feel better in our mental health. Uh, and giving us a pass for a little while. And the thing is that January turned to February, turned to March, and now we're into April. And it's just like, I think we've let things slide a little bit too long. So I, I, th- I think one of those delicious things you said you were eating were Lay's Crunch potato chips. Those. Uh... Oh, my God. That was the, okay. So that was the worst part about this is like, oh, I went no, all Ruffles, of... Ruffles potato chips, right? Ruffles. Uh, the Ruffles, um, like the, the double crunch ones, oh my god, uh, they have a jalapeno cheddar flavor that is um, one of the most insane things I've ever tasted. And it was... It I was like fr- the ketchup, and, and I'm a big ketchup uh, uh, fan of, of potato chips. So when I saw that, because usually I get those double crunch ones, and I'm like, no, no, they don't have the flavor I want. And then I saw ketchup, I'm like, you mother... Say it. Nope. Money for Haiti. No money for Haiti. I've already put I put Fine. a couple in in this uh, in this podcast. Okay, okay, we'll allow it. I mean, I've only said Chardonnay like so many times. Boom! There's another one. Yeah, uh, pay five cents for Chardonnay. Mother is uh, is a big one. Yeah, I think it's like a buck. I think it's a little more than a buck. 
Oh, it's a buck. It's a buck fifty. Yes, it is. Um, no, it's like I, I, here's something that people can believe or not believe, but I didn't have a single potato chip in uh, 2020. And then January 2021 rolled around, and I found the jalapeno cheddar ones, and it was just like, wow. So there's an endorsement for two kinds of potato chips. So if you're having trouble, and you're oh god, I have to, so I have to put it. I've given you two more reasons to struggle. I have to put another nickel into the into the swear jar. The other thing about those jalapeno cheddar is it's just even with the spice with it, when you have that perfectly balanced chardonnay with um, really great acid, it's just one of those really great flavor conversation. Com- combinations one of the really great flavor combinations where you get texture on texture and you know the spiciness doesn't overpower anything because it's kind of that artificial powdered spiciness yeah you, got, you guys need to get these potato chips they're, they're really good. Uh, the ketchup were good too if you don't yep. need the spiciness the ketchup was just awesome i just i cannot recommend them high enough because usually with ketchup potato chips they're all they're very you know, very soft, and you don't get that crunch. And I love a kettle cooked potato chip, and that's what these things are. They're like really crunchy, kettle but cooked. but like rippled too. I mean, if we really wanted to like go off the off the wagon and completely destroy our lives, like there's nothing better than those chips with um, dip too. I, I, Andre, I think it's time to to go. I I probably need another nap. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, so that I I don't get too too down far down the rabbit hole of of potato chips. I know that I, I try really hard not to shamelessly promote my virtual wine label on the podcast, but I I think it's worth noting that the new vintage of When Pigs Fly went into bottle this week. Um, you got a chance to before Doug tried to turn Ontario into police state. We met in your backyard. You got a chance to taste the sample. What did you think of it at the time? The, uh, well, I thought it was better than your last version. Not as good as your first. Um, uh, I think 2020, and, and having tasted uh, quite a bit of rosés so far uh, from 2020 Ontario, uh, I think we're having trouble hanging on to that acidity that 19 had. 19 was just, was just killer acidity, which was great for rosé. Um, but your, your, your 2020 is definitely, as far as I'm concerned, heads and tails above your, your last bottling. Well, there we go. I, so, I'm looking like, I forward can't wait to taste the actual bottled, finished product. And if you want, I'll do a live tasting here on the podcast. Oh God, no pressure though, right? You know, maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get Adam to join us, and then yeah. and then if you have any issues, you can uh, oh. take it out with him. He's yeah. also the winemaker for Lundy Lane. I've uh, Lundy, Manor. Lundy Manor. Lundy Manor. Lundy Manor. I actually uh, tasted a couple of wines from them the other day, which was really good. So you know what? Uh, an up and coming winery in uh, in Ontario. Let's make that happen. Let's see if we can get him to uh, knock a couple of Lundy Manor wines off for, for us, so that we can uh, we can interrogate him, and then we'll uh, we'll throw in the the tasting of the when pigs fly. Let's do that. Yeah, All sounds right. good. We thought another idea. Thank God. Uh, they're fast and furious now. We do have some exciting stuff coming up. We're going to be talking to who's up next week? Dave Shepard, who? who's retiring after forty years. You said you asked me, you went, "How old is Dave Shepard?" I said, "He's at least 40. He does not look like he's old enough to retire from the pictures yeah. I've seen. He's going to go. He, he was with, uh, well, you know what? Well, uh, if you don't know Dave Shepard, he does have quite a past. So we're going to get on uh, on that with him. Uh, so that should be uh, should be exciting and interesting. Uh, Andre, we're also looking uh, at potentially a uh, rum from the East Coast. 
Uh, we have to taste it first, see if it's uh, if it's good. Um, but they they have an interesting story to tell, and uh, I believe there's uh, something on Spanish biodynamics or something of that nature that you were working on. So there's <laughs> there's lots coming up. Uh, so stay tuned to us. Yeah, and um, we appreciate everyone who has taken the time to check out Patreon. I know a lot of people are probably sick of the virtual tastings, but it is an option that we offer. Um, feel free to sign up for, I guess, one of the top tiers of our Patreon. If you make a commitment of a few months, we will curate some wines for you, and you will listen to Michael and I yell at each other live and in person, but with you being a part of it, you can yell at both of us. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll make make it an all Chardonnay tasting so that Michael can just yell at me the whole time, and, you know, if you decide well, to commit... I would start with, Jane, you ignorant slut. But that's, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, but anyways, you know, uh, even if it's only a couple bucks, um, Patreon's now in Canadian dollars. It's not expensive to make this podcast, but we do have some bills to pay and we really appreciate the support. Um, yeah, especially, yeah, especially in these times. So, uh, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. If you, uh, check me out, it's Andre Wine Review on all social media. Go to andrewinereview.ca. I'm finally back in the groove of things. So there's regular content going up twice a week, the podcast, and then whatever it is I've tasted lately. Like I said, there's the fielding reviews that are up there. Um, a recent review of a Stellan Mar, you know, the guys from Toronto making canned wine. They've got a rosé in the market. And, um, yeah, a lot of really cool stuff up there. What about you, Michael? And, uh, I can be found at michaelpinkuswinereview.com. Something new goes up every single day. So, oh, look uh, at you me. You follow Ooh me la la. as the great guy on Instagram, uh, uh, Michael Pinkus Wine Review on Facebook. Uh, or, hey, why not just friend me and uh, you'll get that content as well. So, And that's it. That's it for me, Andre. I'm, well, why don't you uh, take us away? I'm going to go uh, clear my head, have some dinner, and maybe go right back to bed. That sounds good to me. Uh, hey, congrats on getting the vaccine. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very happy, and I can't wait to get my second jab in July. Take us away. Everybody, still wear your masks, wash your hands, but please, 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 whatever you're offered, get the jab, get the vaccine. Let's get back to normal. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Durand.